Hey there, it's Adam here. Um, before we get started for today's show, I just wanted to take a quick moment to uh, to say thanks for listening because today is Mate Podcast's birthday. Um, it's been a year since uh, the first episode was released. Episode one uh, came out on the 10th of April 2016, where I spoke to Jaden Serek um, about artificial intelligence. And listening back on that episode, it's really interesting to me um, how far I've come in in my uh, skill set in terms of podcasting. You know, like I listen back to it and I think, oh wow, the production quality has come up a, a huge amount since then. Um, I've I've got better sound quality. Um, I'm much more well researched on topics before I speak to people. But the other thing is, um, I'm actually just a much better interviewer, and I think the format of the show has really evolved over the last twelve months. Um, so, I just wanted to say thank you for listening and coming on this journey with me. Um, Mate Podcast is going to hit a whole new level this year. Um, and you probably noticed that I'm hitting the regular release schedule now after my kind of um, few month hiatus in, at the end of 2016. Um, but we are back. We've been fortnightly episodes for the first couple of months of 2017. And I've just gone weekly with the show. Uh, so, expect new fascinating interviews and conversations in your podcasting app every single week from uh, from me. And then finally, um, I actually wrote an article about what the last 12-month journey has been for me. Um, and you can find that on my website. Just head to matepodcast.com slash birthday. Uh, and uh, you can read all the lessons that I've learned um, about podcasting, um, an analysis of some of the stats and uh, and that kind of thing. So, uh, so again, thank you for listening and uh, let's get on with today's show. This is Mate, a podcast about marketing, advertising, technology and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey, and I'm a digital strategist and entrepreneur. Now, just a little forewarning for today's episode. It is jam-packed with energy. I'm speaking to Paul Ramondo, and boy, oh boy, is this a great conversation. Paul and I talk about what it's like to start a company, um, why you should do things that you're willing to suffer through. We talk about how to say no and how to stay productive and effective. Paul explains what a marketing funnel is and how to build an effective one. And we talk about the best social channels for marketers. Now, I should mention that we recorded this episode at 8am Melbourne time, which is 6am in Perth, where Paul is situated. And that's important to note because... Remember that when you hear how much energy Paul has this early in the morning. So, strap yourself in and prepare for some knowledge bombs and a good old-fashioned rev up. Let's do it. Who are you and what do you do? So, my name is Paul Ramondo. I am a digital marketer, entrepreneur, and yeah, I love what I do. Cool. So, um, let's kind of unpack those, uh, those things. Well, you led with digital marketer. So, why yep. digital marketer? Yeah, so um, basically, um, by digital marketer, I help people connect with their audience online um, and I help people sell to that audience online in a non-invasive way. So, instead of kind of throwing uh, heaps of ads at people and or throwing ads at the wall and seeing what sticks, I try to help people build relationships as a precursor to selling to people online before they actually try and make that sale. So, what does that look like? Is that like social media marketing? Is it, you know, Google search ads? Is it content marketing or all of the above? It's basically everything. It's the whole, it's a whole universe of uh, digital marketing. So, whether it's um, search engine optimization or Google AdWords or 
social media marketing or email marketing or the nice little automations that connect everything uh, in together. It's the whole the whole atmosphere of um, digital marketing, essentially. Okay. And then uh, you said entrepreneur. So what are you uh, entrepreneuring? Is that <laughs> even a word? Entrepreneur. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. What am I entrepreneuring? Um, so I started my first company. Well, technically, I started my first business at the age of, how old was I? I was 22, 21, maybe 22, 22. And that was just a small consulting business where I helped entrepreneurs and small business owners and startups you know, connect with their audience online through digital marketing. And that was just a small little uh, side hustle that I had going. And I uh, kind of worked in the corporate world for from the age of, I think, 22 up until 25. And um, then I started uh, my first company or incorporated my first company on the 24th of July last year. And then I quit my job on the or finished full-time work on the 10th of September mm-hmm. and kind of dove straight into uh, to running my company. And my company is basically a digital marketing company. So client service-based uh, digital marketing agency, uh, which implements all different types of digital marketing and strategy for our clients. So what's the difference then between the consultancy that you had at the start and um, the company that you have that you have now or the digital agency that you referred to? Yeah, for sure. So um, very, very, they're very similar businesses. One was a precursor for the other. Uh, obviously, the consulting was a precursor for the company. Um, going down the company routes, um, there are a lot of reasons for it. However, the main reason was um, I wanted to build something that I could scale mm-hmm. and I wanted to build something that was, you know, legally a separate legal entity to myself. A lot of, a lot of benefits to that from, you know, tax purposes to having a bigger entity than, um, you know, than, than just yourself and having a different ABN and all that kind of stuff. Um, but also it was really just so I could scale it and I could, you know, bring a bunch of people, build a solid team if that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to set everything up right rather than kind of having to, after I was, I don't know, maybe a year into it, deciding like, all right, now it's time for me to turn my personal little consulting business into a company. I just wanted to kind of just tick all the boxes from the get-go. Yeah, well, I, s- I suppose you'd kind of already done that at, at, over the past couple of years from what you were saying. You just weren't doing it full-time, so. That's right, that's right. And I also wanted to create um, a brand that was separate to my personal brand, uh, very, very highly connected to my personal brand, but separate at the same time. Yeah, because it's called Ramondo Media, right? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> it, was all, it, was all, it was all very on purpose. It was yeah. all very on purpose. I wanted to dilute my personal brand equity uh, into my company whilst also having it as a separate legal entity, which I could remove myself from as well at the, like, at the same time. Still be there, but also removed. So, tell me about starting Ramondo Media. Like, what, <laughs> what, what's it like starting a business or starting a company? Uh, don't, don't, don't do it. <laughs> nah, it's, 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 it's wicked. It's wicked. It's just, it's just, uh, um, how do I say it? It's just, it's, it's really fucked. Like, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great time and it's awesome. And if you're passionate about what you do and you love what you do, like, I love, like, I, I'm, I'm silly. Like, I, I'm sure, you know, but like, I get up really, really early in the morning, you know, and I'll work. 12, 13, 14, 15 hours a day, every day, uh, like nonstop and not take any time off. Um, so, and that's out of choice. It's not out of necessity. I, if I didn't, I don't have to work that much. That's the big thing. A lot of people are like, why are you working so hard, bro? Why, why are you putting in 70, 80 hours a week? And I'm like, well, I love this shit. This shit is awesome. Mm-hmm. I love what I do, but it's, it's, that's kind of like what gets me up and what gets me going. It's not because I have to. And if I, you know, if I didn't do it, things would all be sweet as well, but I wouldn't be ticking off the big hairy audacious goals that I have. So, mm. um, in terms of what it's like to start a company, 
it's awesome um, if you're thinking of starting a company yourself, prepared to, uh, and if you're also really passionate about it, I think it all goes back to what your goals are in terms of do you want life, work-life balance or do you want to take over the world or do you want, um, do, how, how much do you want this thing that you're trying to start work? Um, a lot of different questions you need to ask yourself, but if you are super passionate about what you're doing and the company that you're starting or the business that you're starting, then um, you just need to face reality that it's going to take a lot of hard work and that's okay. It's just, it's just a lot of hard work. Yeah. And, and, you know, like there's a lot of advice uh, online for entrepreneurs, I guess is what I call them. People who, you know, they like the ideals. They like the sexy romantic side of starting a company and a business and, and, you know, having this thing. Um, But I I don't think a lot of people realize the work that's involved. I read this great article and I'll check it in the show notes. I'll send it to you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by this guy called Mark Mark Moran or Mark Moran or something. Mark Manson, actually, I think it is. Anyway, uh, he he talks about um, you, you should do the thing that you're willing to suffer through um, because there's going to be a lot of suffering, cool. and it's yeah. and it's a weird way to put it, but like you you have to do something that because there's going to be a lot of challenges, particularly starting a business. There's um, uh, there's a lot of hurdles to overcome, right? Um, and and I don't mean that in a negative way, like challenges in like it's it's something oh, that you can you can do, right? So, um, but he said, do the thing that you are willing to suffer through because there's going to be a lot of suffering. Um, you know, and he uses this example of like an NBA player. It's like, yeah, I want to be an NBA player or a rock star or whatever. And you picture this thing and it's like, yeah, you play to a concert at Wembley Stadium in front of 100,000 people. Yeah, that's what a rock star does. But they do that, I don't know, like 20 times, 30 times in their entire career. What is the other 99% of that career look like? Playing in pubs when no one rocks up, hustling their ass off, trying to get gigs. Like all the shit that leads up to that is really what that life is. Um no, I totally feel you. Yeah. It's like the iceberg effect, right? Like we all know what an iceberg is. There's a sh- lot of shit and ice underwater, but you only see the top the yeah. top of it. And I, I think I saw a meme or um, some kind of graphic representation of um, exactly what that uh, what you were talking about with that article. And it's pretty much like entrepreneurship. You've got like the uh, little tip of the iceberg and what you see at the tip of the iceberg is like success and, um, you know, a lot of the time maybe financial uh, prosperity and um, influence and all these other, you know, like high high ticket, like, oh, not high ticket, but like, oh, that looks real. That's, like, that's a really cool, like, we're all so lucky, like, well, yay. And then underneath, underneath the water and just like, you know, for maybe 75% of the whole, the whole iceberg, maybe 80% and the iceberg is just all of the shit and the suffering and, and not that it's bad suffering like it's good suffering it's not um <laughs> it's not bad by any means but it's just uh it's just things it's just the reality of it it's not hard it's challenging um you well, you won't sleep <laughs> um you'll you know you'll be the most excited well, my experience anyway you'll be the most excited and um you know i guess energized ever like in my life like i'm a pretty energizable um energized type dude but I've never, um, I've never had so much uh, energy and focused energy uh, with any goal that I've tried to achieve in my life um, since well, that compares to mm. the amount of energy and focus that I have with starting my own business and running it. Yeah. And you talked about that suffering. That's what I was referring to before. So, yeah, that's completely it. agree. Just something that you mentioned earlier on that I wanted to really just quickly touch on before we um, went to the next topic was I kind of talked about uh, companies and businesses. Now, they're different things. Business is obviously something that you can um, engage in commerce with and a company is really just a legal entity. How, how do you kind of differentiate the two? Or when you speak to people, do, you, do they think they do you think they understand that or... 
I um I usually <laughs> when I meet people and people ask me what I do, I've gotten to this point now where I just I tell everyone that I run my own business. And because when I first started doing what I was doing, just like anyone, it's like a it's, I don't know, it's like someone's getting it gets a new dog, or it's kind of like um someone that gets into a new relationship or um, someone that, I don't know, it's pretty much like what I'm going to be like when I get my new boosted board, right? I want to tell everybody about it. Look at my shiny new thing. It's so cool. I'm so proud of it. This is awesome, awesome, awesome. And that's all That's all wicked. And I'll talk to, I'll talk to anyone for as long as I can about if, that, if that's interested and that will listen to me about what I do for a living and how mm-hmm. much I love it and um, about, you know, everything that I do. Um, but I've gotten to this point now where um, I just – I love talking about it, but I only only enjoy talking about it if people actually really want to listen. Mm. Um, so I just basically tell people that I run my own business, and you know, nine times out of ten, the follow up question to that is like, "Oh, sick! Oh, really cool! Uh, what kind of business do you run?" And then we kind of go down the rabbit hole of um, of explanation, and some people understand what I do, and um, a lot of people don't understand what I do because the, I feel like the industry that I'm in, despite the fact that uh, I know you and I know that it's very, very huge, and I'm sure a lot of people listening know it's a huge industry. Um, I mean, where I'm from, from Perth and WA, it's like the second most isolated capital city in the world behind, <laughs> behind Honolulu, fun fact. Um, and we're a very, uh, very mining resources uh, heavy based town. So, you know, there are a lot of digital agencies and it's a, you know, it's a big, big city, over a million people, that kind of fun stuff. But uh, the majority of people have no idea what uh, what digital marketing is, mm. um, and kind of had to uh, go go through explaining that. But yeah, I uh, I don't really see them being much difference between uh, a business and a company. I feel like they're one and the same thing. Uh, you know, the minute uh, micro details, or subtle nuances between the two uh, are there. But I, I kind of uh, I kind of see them as synonymous with each other in my mind. It's interesting you said that not a lot of people kind of know what digital marketing is or understand how important it is. I, I think. That attitude is sort of starting to shift and people know that it's important, but they still don't know how uh, to do it right, which Correct. is why businesses like you um, are able to uh, succeed and flourish. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a good space to be in. It's a definitely Yeah, no, it's area. a very, very exciting space to be in. And um, I feel like... Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's a bit of like the um, wild, wild west. Not so much at the moment, but like the last five years has been a bit of like the wild, wild west in terms of, uh, you know, a lot of cowboys out there and um, which is fine, providing people aren't being dicks and uh, are doing the right thing by their clients. But um, the the interesting thing about industry is that um, unlike a lot of other industries, uh, the barriers to entry are super, super low. So anyone can do it, right? And that's awesome, but uh, that within itself also creates a lot of problems as well because if you have uh, people that don't really know what they're doing or aren't able to deliver on results um, that are doing business for other people, that can uh, somewhat tarnish the uh, reputation of the industry as a whole, yep. um, which which is a, which concerns me a little bit, but I kind of try to push against that by just giving the best service that I can give and, you know, always giving everything my all and um, making sure that, you know, no matter what happens that I, you know, make my clients happy. So, we've kind of touched on uh, Ramondo Media, what that is, what what you do there. Um, you've also got uh, your personal brand and I kind of want to refer to paulramondo.com, yep. which is a separate site that you run uh, and you put up a lot of content there and like, what what's the purpose of that? Why do you have this kind of separate brand from uh, from the business? Yeah, sure. So, um paulramondo.com so my website's kind of like my little um, it's like my baby it's like my it's my it's my little pride and joy um paulramondo.com is basically uh it's just been a since since i started it, i think in 2012 2013 um it's just been a testing ground for me to do 
everything or test everything or test every idea or learn how to do something new. And it's pretty much just been this testing ground for me to hone and perfect my skill and my craft. Um, so basically what paulramondo.com now, well, what it's become now is it's a website where I teach entrepreneurs or startups or business owners um, how to drive more traffic to their website, um, how to elevate the engagement once they, you know, that traffic lands on the website. And then once uh, once that traffic is, you know, engaged with the website's content or had their uh, engagement elevated, how to amplify the conversion rates or the resulting conversion rates of those people that land in the website. So basically, uh it's a kind of a very, very um, complementary relationship between my personal brand and uh, my company because with my personal brand, I'm you know being transparent, being like, this is how, like you know, I'll reverse engineer campaigns or deconstruct them and break them down. Be like, this is how I re- achieve uh, X, Y, Z results by doing A, B, Z things. Um, and then I get to basically teach other people at scale instead of one to one. It's one to many, mm-hmm. and that's awesome. And then everything and. Anything and everything that I test under my personal brand or that I do um, under my personal brand in terms of digital marketing, I can then apply those lessons to better my clients' campaigns because I'm all about leveraging a first mover advantage. And if I can work out how a new ad unit on Facebook or how a new uh, ad format on, say, Instagram that um, allows me to get an unfair advantage for myself in the marketplace, especially when I'm competing against uh, in an industry that... Uh, when I'm competing, the industry that I, my personal brand competes in is with a lot of other people that also know what they're doing really, mm-hmm. really well. So uh, if I can find something that gives me a first mover advantage in an industry where I'm competing with people like the skill set similar to myself, then I can take that, um, you know, that unfair advantage that I've discovered and apply it to my clients and give them, get them, you know, scale wicked results for them in, uh, in a really great amount of time or a short amount of time. How do you have, so, so paulramondo.com, you're creating content. Um, it's, it's almost like a teaching resource. Um, and I know you've been developing, um, a a course, a paid course, which we'll get into a little bit, um, later, but, um, how do you, how do you find time to run a consulting business as well as, uh, create like a, a, a content rich, um, resource of, of information on digital marketing? How do you like... How is there time? I know you said you work 15 hours a day, but... <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I like like I said, like I don't have to... Well, that's a bit goes back to... Um, uh, I'm not sure if we said... I can't remember if we said this on air or off air, um, but that goes back to um, my choice. So, my choices dictate like that I, that I work 70, 80 hours a week. And once, it's, once it became a habit, it's kind of been a really bad habit, to, hard habit to break, which is kind of funny because... If I don't get up early or if I take a day off, I had to. Mo- I moved into a new apartment on Friday last week, right? Mm. And um, I like I had to move house. It's very, I don't know, anyone that's moved house before knows that it's a pretty stressful and annoying and just shitty or a shitty experience. And uh, I got help this time. <laughs> I've done a few moves. And uh, I got I got help, got removalist, good times. It was like a lot easier, but it was still really, really hard. And I had to like literally move like where I was sleeping, kind of like my home, you know, where I live and where I go at nighttime to sleep. And I did that all of Friday and it took all of Friday plus, you know, a lot of nights that I had to pack all my stuff up. And I felt like I was cheating on my business because I'm like, nah, it's fucking Friday. I need to be at work. This is, this is, this is all shit. I can't do this. Um, and that when I really kind of audited myself over the weekend, I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty insane. The fact that, um, when I was, when I was working for someone else, the last thing that I would ever consider doing would be working on a weekend or working, uh, you know, 80 hours a week. Um, whereas now the psychology internally is like, I need to find more time to do everything that I want to do because despite the fact that I'm working super hard and I'm getting all this stuff done, there's just not enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So in terms of uh, finding the time to run my personal brand and build my course and uh, run my company and service my clients, um, the answer is like it's all personal choice. So if I wanted to, I could probably get away with working 40 to 50 hours a week um, just on my company and not growing my personal brand. Um, but then I wouldn't be ticking off the goals of growing my personal brand. So I guess the way that I kind of structure my time my day now is I'll get up around 4.42, 4.45 in the morning, um, get, get to work around 5. It's 4.42, not 4.45. I was going to say, it was very specific. <laughs> well, you get up at 4.40. See, I'm super weird, right? You get up at 4.42, then by the time you're out of bed and you hop in the shower, it's 4.45. So it's just like, oh, yeah, 4.45. I'm already ticking, ticking goals off. This is, this is wicked. Um, <laughs> hashtag life hack. So basically, <laughs> um, basically, I will uh, get to the office on uh, you know, around 5, 5.15, and then I'll just smash out until about 10, 10, 30, 11. I will just work solidly on my personal brand or on building my course or on whatever my top level goals are that are bring me closer to achieving, achieving those goals. Whatever tasks that are based off those goals, I'll work on from, you know, for those first five hours or so of the day. And then around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I'll start doing all my client service stuff. And then I'll, that will take me through into about seven, eight o'clock at night. So, how many priorities do you have at one time? Uh, it really varies. It varies on workload with um, with the amount of campaigns that I've got going on with my agency. And then it also varies on um, other personal brand commitments. Like, for example, this morning I'm doing this podcast interview with you. Um, at any one time, I've got a lot of competing priorities. Um, but it all comes, it all just comes down to planning and allocating your time effectively, right? So if you can allocate your, I feel like you can do anything as long as you schedule it in and you give yourself a realistic time frame to achieve it. And once you do that, it's, it, it really just makes you know, all of these balls that you're kind of juggling in the air, just kind of, um, I don't know, like slow down as if you're in the matrix, you can kind of see everything really clearly. You're like, all right, boom, I'm going to get that done in this time slot, I'm get that done in this time slot. And then I'm going to have some lunch. And go for a walk and just chill out for a bit, and then I go do this, this, and this, and then I will leave at seven o'clock or leave at eight o'clock, and everything will be sweet. Okay, all right. Because I've been kind of going through a, a bit of a journey at the moment. Um, you know, I quit my job, and I'm trying to. <laughs> it's good. A, a lot of people say congratulations. I think it's an interesting, um, an interesting insight into the way people think about work. When you go, oh, I quit it's my a job to go. Move, yo. It's a ballsy move. <laughs> it is. Well, it's funny. You know, ten. It was only ten minutes ago. You were saying. Um, don't fucking start a business. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's. Sorry, all right, the upside. So uh, to me, like, I loved like where I worked before. I worked at a company called Digital Union. Big ups to Brendan, awesome dude. Um, he's my old boss, and I loved working for him. I loved what I did, and it was wicked. But I just didn't. Yeah, for me, inside, I just didn't tick any of uh, the big boxes of fulfillment. And despite the fact that I had an amazing work-life balance, I did everything I wanted to do with my personal life. I, I wasn't like I thought I was stressed, but I don't know. Didn't, I don't think I knew the meaning of the word stress until <laughs> back then, anyway. But that's that's all good. Um, but the upside of doing your own thing, quitting a job, and just kind of throwing yourself in the deep end and being one thousand percent responsible for your finances and for like putting a roof over your head and for you know being able to eat, like you literally are responsible for everything. There's mm. no one's holding your hand anymore. Um, the greatest return on that investment is the, uh, I feel like, like the return on emotion is huge, right? The return on fulfillment is also really huge and that's energizing and that's, uh, that, that to me, it's like one of the best, most, uh, I guess, addictive feelings ever and that kind of feeling is kind of what drives it. So when I'm like, oh shit, it's going to be a bad time starting your own business, 
it's also going to be the best time of your life as well. Mm. And like like we said earlier, nothing kind of sacrifice or suffering um, in terms of uh, in terms of entrepreneurship. And I think yeah, I think that's really true. But congratulations, nonetheless, mm-hmm. you're in for a good time. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Um, and, and it's interesting you're talking about fulfillment because that's really the main reason that I decided to, to go and do my own thing. Um, I was doing really well. I was enjoying it. I had a great job, um, really great relationships with my um, colleagues, bosses, clients, but there was just a piece missing and, and I just felt like I wasn't kind of going in the direction that I wanted to be going. Um, <clears throat> so, a bit of a course correct and, and, and now I'm kind of just in this uh, process of figuring out where I want to take it next. Yeah. One thing that you were talking about earlier with trying to fit everything in, and, and that's why I was asking a lot of questions about what are you focusing on and and that kind of thing, because uh, I, I feel like there's an opportunity cost to everything. There's only 24 hours in a day. That's the ultimate leveler. And you need to sleep, you need to eat, you need to exercise um, and all that kind of stuff. So, it's really interesting to see how people, because you do, you spend time. Yep, so, so where do you where do you actually focus that attention? And and that's why I was asking how many priorities you have, because I was like, well, I'm sure like you, um, like myself, you have a, a million ideas of things that you could do and, and where you want to, yep. but you can't do them all. Um, <laughs> you, you just can't. Um, so yeah, it, it, I'm just. I don't know. Do you have any like tips on uh, on how you decide on what to focus on? Because I'm sure like there's plenty of opportunities that come your way that you have to turn down. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I mean, one of my goals recently, funnily enough, has been <laughs> one of my biggest goals that I've been trying to uh, tick off recently has uh, has been mastering the power of saying no. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm at full capacity at the moment, um, and a lot of reasons. I, I could easily scale my business or my uh, company at the moment I'm not I've made a conscious decision not to do that because all the goals I'm trying to achieve don't align with me scaling the company so that's fine um and yeah learning to say no is a big one like and like I said I'm trying to work on it really hard at the moment so it's learning how to say no and making sure that you're very very clear on whatever your top level goals are right you got to be super clear on that because if you're a bit iffy on that then you're just going to let any kind of like random opportunity which could be a good thing but if it doesn't align with whatever your overarching goals are then you're pretty much going to become a victim. It's kind of like you're a leaf and you've thrown the leaf in. I don't know if this is a good analogy, but you've got a leaf, you've thrown it into a river and the river's just being like, just kind of like floating along, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like you've gone off a waterfall and you don't know what's going on. It's like, oh, how did I get here? And that still may be success, but you know, that success may be completely different to your idea. And I feel like you're a product of whatever you focus on. And mm. if you're focusing, if you're not focusing on anything, then you just kind of go and go through the motions and go wherever. Um, so with me, it's like being really clear on where I want to be this time next year, but also being really clear on where I want to be in 90 days time. Um, I don't know, like, I think one of the biggest things that I've ever learned, which I learned at a very young age, lucky enough, was the, uh, the, the idea of the principle of setting SMART goals. And so, mm-hmm. SMART goals are basically an acronym for specific, measurable, um, actionable, relevant, and time-focused based goals. That's the one. <laughs> I got, got through the acronym. I did it. Um, and being able to be sp- getting super specific with what you want, um, being able to be honest with yourself and measuring, being able to measure those results. Um, be able to action them um, and making sure that they're relevant to whatever it is that you're that specific goal that you set and giving it them a time frame. I think time frames are super important. And time frames like 
timeframes in terms of achieving goals, like up to 90 days, like you want to achieve ABC within the next 90 days, awesome. But you've got to bring that back and reverse engineer the achievement mm. of that goal to like a half an hour by half an hour basis. Like, like seriously, when I do my day, I'm looking at, I'm looking at my, uh, my big my day here that I've written down and I've got time codes next to every single task that I need to do. So I've got on this page, I've got written down all of these important things I have to do with my clients today. It's like six hours worth of work and there'll be a lot more, but that's the time that I've given myself for those mm-hmm. tasks because I feel like um, there's a there's an interesting, uh, what's it called? Um, there's this theory called, I believe it's called Parkinson's Law. And basically Parkinson's Law denotes that any task that you um, set yourself to complete uh, and any task that you set yourself a time frame to complete, the amount of time it takes to complete that task will expand to meet the space or the amount of time in which you've allocated it. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever been to university or high school before and you've uh, gotten an essay. You're like, oh, I've got three months to do this essay. It's going to be so easy. So obviously for the first <laughs> six six weeks, you're like, oh, I'm not going to do anything on that. I'm going to drink some beer. I'm going to like, you know, it's going to go party. Like I'm at uni, sweet, no worries. Um, well, anyway, that's what I was like at uni anyway. <laughs> I'm going to get that. I'm going to like, oh boy, i got three months to do that shit. I'm going to worry about that later because that is not a priority. And then me you right do it now. in the last like 24 hours. That's it, man. That's <laughs> it. You've got like, you've got Pull all an all-nighter, thing. grab some Red Bull. <laughs> man, you just get like super, super like, super lit on a bit of Red Bull, <laughs> a monster, and you smash through You smash through that essay. You're like, oh, shit, didn't know I could pull 7,000 words out of my ass yeah. in the space of 12 hours, and it's like five minutes for submission. You're like, bang, take that, professor. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, that was like the worst thing that I've ever done never in my life. Never doing that again. Yeah, never doing that again until like the next essay mm-hmm. happens. You're like, oh, shit, I did it again. But the interesting <laughs> thing is that when you go and you go and apply that, you think about that psychology and you're like, wow. Well, I just, and a lot of the time, like when I did that, like some, some of the best papers that I've ever written or some of the best, um, my, uh, my brother, my brother's still at university he calls, uh, so in, in Australia, um, you know, one of the highest marks you can get is a HD, which is a high distinction. My brother calls them hot dogs and he loves getting hot dogs. And some of the best hot dogs that I've ever gotten at uni were products of just cramming all night the night before, smashing out the project, maybe doing like three hours worth of prep work in the three months that I had to do it and then just smashing the rest out and just a silly 12-hour session overnight, you know, lit to the nines with, uh, with Monster and Red Bull. And you do it, you submit it, and then you're like, that was terrible. What am I, oh, I'm never doing that again. And then, you know, three weeks passes and you get your results back and you're like, oh, shit, like, well, that was, that was a really, really messed up night, but uh, I just got a hot dog and uh, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> I think it's very interesting because... It, to, to me, it fascinates me, and this is one of the reasons that marketing fascinates me because the social psychology behind it and also just the psychology in general behind marketing but also setting goals and being timely with the actioning of those goals mm-hmm. or achieving, being able to, you know, write a hot dog worth of a, a project out, you know, within 12 hours of being due when you had three months to do it is that when you put pressure on yourself and you give yourself a time frame and you give yourself no excuses but to get it done, you'll be, or you, you throw yourself in the deep end, you'll be super surprised in terms of how much you can get done and how well you can get it done because you focus all of your energy, you remove all distractions, yeah. you become so efficient. And it's that's kind of what I try to do on a day to, or an hour to hour basis. I try to apply that Parkinson's law that my essay is due in an hour mm-hmm. to everything that I do. And it's tiring, I'll, I'll tell you that. But if you want to get stuff done, you want to be efficient and you want to juggle lots of balls in the air at the same time, but also be like across all of them, um, 
being able to apply Parkinson's law on a you know hour by hour basis is essential in my mind, and also um, being able to organize your achievement of those goals using a project management system is also something I'd really recommend. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you say that because uh, there's been a lot of research done on multitasking, um, and the fact is humans can't multitask. We're just really bad at single tasking. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I um I used to be like, oh, I can do everything at once. <laughs> And because I am awesome and it just, it was just, it's just not, it don't, no, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah. Just no, just, yeah. it's not going to work. Like you just, I like, um, I, ta- uh, I think it's called task creep or I call it task creep anyway, where I will let, um, <laughs> so if my internet's being a little bit too slow or I'm uh, waiting for something to upload, let's say I'm uploading, I don't know, like a three megabyte image to Facebook and it's taking, I don't know, 30 seconds instead of a, like two seconds. I'm like, oh, I'll just go quickly send an SMS or I'll quickly go and look at that email. And then, oh, I used to anyway do that. And then uh, an hour and a half later, I still haven't completed uploading that photo or mm-hmm. writing the copy for that image because I've gone down this massive, massive little spiral dark hole of shit that doesn't even matter. Mm. And I'm like, I just spent an hour, an hour and a half on doing stuff that's not achieving any of the top level goals I had today. And now I'm going to stay back an hour and a half later because I wasn't disciplined enough. With my, I didn't respect my own time enough. Mm-hmm. So... And that was me multitasking, right? And it just it just killed my productivity. So I've uh, over the past six months, I've made a very conscious decision to be very focused on each task that I'm working on at, at one time. I turn off all distractions, um, phones on, do not disturb, emails are never open unless I'm on, in an email session. And that's one of the worst ones. The constant oh, email just bing, oh, yeah. bing, bing, bing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pro tip, turn off, turn off the notifications for your emails and turn off the sound of the emails. Yeah. One of my most hated sounds, it just it like it actually like gives me like, ugh, my, ugh, when it goes off. Um, one of the most hated sounds that I have is that ding of Outlook or like getting a new email. It just, it kills me because it's like, oh, I've got another thing that I have to do now. And if you, I just, I just turned the notification off and I just yeah. leave the email closed because even if you don't focus on the task, if you can just, if you let it uh, enter your mind and you were thinking about something else, you've now just got this distraction in mm. your head. And it's not worth it. You, you, if you're doing a task, just focus on it. And context switching is so bad as well because then you lose the, the train of thought that you're on um, and, and it's so it takes so long to get back. There was a another study that I, or I think it might have been part of the Free Economics podcast that I listened to. They said it takes, I think it was like 23 minutes and 45 seconds or some really specific number to get back to a task after you get an interruption. Um, and think about how many times you get interrupted throughout the day with like email, SMS, phone calls, whatever, how much actual productive focus work are you doing? Um, And then you kind of combine that with the idea that um, I really get a lot of fulfillment out of focused work um, or what is actually known in the research as flow. You know, when you get so engrossed in a task and you just like, uh, you might be listening to music or if you like silence, then that... But, but you just like smash something out for like two hours and you don't even realize the time's passed. You're like, wow, fuck. Like that was, and that's actually like, there's research that shows that that is um, a really fulfilling and, uh, and great thing for people. And, and we really get uh, a lot out of it. Um, and also the great thing is you produce, uh, you know, you, you're fucking productive. You produce real work from it. So- 100% man. Once you start to combine all these things together, it's like, cool, remove distractions, learn how to say no, um, focus, don't have too many priorities, manage your own time. The other thing that you're saying there that really <laughs> kind of interested me was we're a fucking asshole to ourselves. Like, we, oh, yeah. we deceive ourselves. Um, we do shit that's like not in our best interest. Like you said, oh, now I've got to stay back an hour and a half. Like, imagine if like when you're in a full-time job and your boss comes up to you like, hey, Paul, I need you to stay back an hour and a half today. Um 
and and you're like, well, no, I've got somewhere to go. It's like, sorry, man. Like that's basically what you're doing to yourself. Well, no, it's it's so true. It's so true. I think that's why you need to be really honest with yourself. You need to be like, you just need to hold yourself accountable because the fact that you are in charge of your own time, it or I've learned anyway. The irony of being in charge of your own time is that you end up disrespecting yourself and your mm-hmm. time. Like you just you do you disrespect it, and you can lie to yourself or you know I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I'm going to speak for myself. I can lie to myself and be like, no, you were supposed to do that because that was that was uh. It was good that YouTube, uh, that YouTube spiral. Yeah, you were learning shit. Well done, but like you were supposed to be doing ABC for, uh, you know, for yourself or for clients. And now you're gonna have, to, you're still gonna do it, but now you have to stay back and uh, do it in your own time. And that, uh, I think being, I think being honest and being transparent with yourself and just knowing that, like, you see a unicorn run past, you're like, don't go and try and hop on that unicorn or ride it because you'll end up down a click hole on YouTube for an hour and a half and, like, be like, what am I doing with my life? And then you'll be angry at yourself when you leave the office at 9.30 at night. You're like, well, I could have left at 6 or I could have left at 5, but uh, you decided to go on multiple little unicorn rides during your day and, uh, well, this is what you get. <laughs> yeah, and then there's all the guilt that comes along with that. Yeah, it's it's really well, interesting. That's it. And the funny thing is the guilt, well, for me anyway, the guilt is what's going to keep you in the office getting all your stuff done because you won't, you won't leave because you still, regardless of the fact that you haven't completed those tasks like because you were doing something else, you're still going to sit down and get them done because mm-hmm. if, they, if you're like me and you set time-oriented goals, I need to get XYZ done before I finish today, whatever time it is, because I know it's due at nine o'clock tomorrow morning for my clients or for myself. Yep. So the guilt in itself will be like, oh, you're going to stay, you're going to stay back and you're going to get it done. And then I can't move it till tomorrow because tomorrow's already booked up as well. So it kind of forces you. It's like Parkinson's law thing. Like whether it's guilt that's motivating you or whether it's um, the fact that you have to get it done, you, you're setting things up or you're setting like internal redundancies up and you're increasing the internal consequences of you procrastinating and increasing the internal consequences of you disrespecting your own time because you've got so much shit to do. And if you don't get it done or if you let yourself get distracted, then that's on you and mm-hmm. you're the one that's going to suffer the consequences. Totally. Speaking of uh, time management and opportunity costs, um, I'm just conscious of how long we've got left. <laughs> easy, I have a easy. huge list of things that I want to get through, but we just kind of got, um, we went on a bit of a tangent. Um, oh, it's good. I think time, stuff. time productivity is a good tangent to go on. Oh, definitely. And, and I think I got a lot out of that, um, as will anybody listening. So I've got kind of got... Uh, three or four other kind of just general broad areas I wanted to talk about. So the first of those was just running a business in general and kind of your philosophy to doing so. Yeah. So um, I think we've kind of talked about your, your approach to like how, how you run the business and time management and priorities and stuff. Um, but what I did want to ask is uh, you've got this kind of philosophy of don't be a dick. Yep. Explain that and, and, uh, and kind of what it means and why you think it's important. I love it. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. We're good. We're good. Thank you. Um, so with me, like I pride myself on, um, like the dude you're talking to now is the same dude that, you know, if you saw me at a bar, it'd be, I'd be talking the same. If anything, I'd probably be like, Oh, this is awesome. Yay. But like, <laughs> it, I pride myself on 100% transparency and congruency between my professional life and my personal life. Like the, 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 the avatar that I, that is Paul Ramondo or whatever is it. That's just me. Like, it's just who I am. And I, it's taken me a long time, especially with speaking. If anyone's done public speaking before, I do a bit of public speaking. One of the things that I've been really, I've been doing like three or four years now. And I look back and I cringe at like, what I'm like when I'm on stage or when I was first starting out. And that's all good because it's all part of the learning process. But uh, my public persona back then being on stage and speaking, uh, just I look at it and I'm like, who is that dude? That's not me. Like, 
seems like a nice guy that knows what he's talking about, but like, I just, just, I just felt alienated from that person because mm. it's just this kind of uh, external persona that you, you, it's really hard to just be yourself in, in when you're doing that kind of stuff or in my experience anyway. Um, so I've been working really hard just to, you know, make everything as congruent as possible. And then I've let a lot of my personal philosophies in terms of how I live life, um, mirror themselves in my business. So I feel like my business is an external representation of my uh, internal philosophies and mindset towards uh, how I live my life personally, but also how I live my life professionally. And um, don't be a dick, that whole philosophy. It's really just, it's just, it's as simple as it is. Just don't be an asshole. Like be, be transparent, be honest, don't lie. Um, if you make a mistake, take responsibility for it, especially in business. Like the amount of time that I see people just kind of, uh, you know, everyone fucks up. Like that's, that's life, right? And like I've had, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in business and I've um, made mistakes that have cost my clients money, but I'm the first person that's going to put my hand up and be like, yo, I fucked up and this is everything that I did wrong. I'm really sorry. This is everything I'm going to do to rectify the situation. This is why it's not going to happen again. And this is what I'm willing to do to make things right. And that's not so much like, don't be a dick. I feel like that's just like being, doing good business. But Mm. I feel like not being a dick is being transparent and being honest Mm. and keeping your word and committing to, committing to what you say you're going to do. And I think uh, the more I talk about it, the more I think about it, I think, yeah, don't be a dick is just, just, just be a nice person, do business how you'd want business to be done with you. And whether that extends to everything, whether it's like paying people when their invoices are due. And if what if for a reason you have cash flow issues and you can't pay someone that you have a contractual obligation to pay or contractual um, responsibility to pay them because they provided services for you, then get on the phone or send an email and be like, hey, I know that this invoice was, is due tomorrow. I actually don't have the liquidity at the moment. I don't have the cash flow because of ABC reasons. My dog died. I need to pay for that. Or um, you know, I've just had two staff leave or I had three staff steal all my clients or whatever, whatever, whatever it may be. And I guarantee you that 10 times out of 10, maybe 9, 9.99 times out of 10, if you ask for a, an extension by two weeks or three weeks or four weeks to pay something... Mm then the person on the other end will really respect that and appreciate it. Be like, yo, these things happen. No worries. Um, give me the, get the money to me, you know, by that date and we'll be sweet. Whereas the opposite is you ignore it. You're like, oh, just, let's just hope that, that's, that issue, that cash flow issue is going to go away or that, that invoice is going to go away. Truth is it's never going to go away. <laughs> like it's not going away. And you're just going to antagonize whoever you're working with a bit more if you're not paying them yeah, the money. Yeah, you piss them off and then- and that uh, creates animosity. And then you, you come across as a dickhead. And yeah. to be honest, well, if you're doing that, you are a dickhead because like all good. If you don't have the money, no worries. Figure out a way to make it, like get it. And so you can pay your obligations, but don't be facetious or don't be conniving or don't be secretive. Just be transparent. It's easy. And like, like I said, 9.99 times out of 10, like people are going to really respect that and understand because we're all humans. We're all we're doing, doing the same thing. As opposed to you not lying or you not lying, you not being transparent and you lying about or just ignoring it because mm. the issue is not going to go away. I went on a bit of a tangent there, but that kind of uh, in a nutshell is uh, my whole philosophy. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Thank you. <laughs> so, let's talk funnels. Yes. You, you're, let's, let's get like down and dirty with some, some real marketing shop. You love funnels. So, tell me what, what, what is a, a marketing funnel um, and why is it important? Um, so basically a funnel or a marketing funnel is uh, this multi-step, multivariate, uh, I guess a system which helps you or in terms of digital marketing funnels, it's this multi-step, multivariate system which allows you to automatically 
guide and build a relationship with a prospect with the ultimate goal of converting that prospect into a sale, right? So marketing funnels are awesome because they take what is essentially or traditionally how a lot of people execute uh, marketing or how a lot of people execute um, digital marketing, which is uh, pretty much let's put an ad up or let's pretty much like throw shit at the ceiling and see what sticks, right? It's pretty much like, let's just throw ads in front of our audience. Uh, they might be in our target market and let's they'll buy our shit. If we represent them with something, they're going to buy it. And to me, that's just dirty. It's irrelevant. It's, it's to me, if you're doing that, you're wasting your money because if you're trying to sell cold on to his cold audience, it's never heard of you before, unless you have a great amount of brand awareness uh, in the marketplace, take a uh, I don't know, take boosted boards, for example, if if you're into YouTube and you watch something like, something like Casey Neistat, like booster boards are the coolest thing for those that don't know, playing at home, like they're electric skateboards. They're amazing. Yeah. I, I really want one, but they're yeah, like they're sick. 3000 Australian dollars. Yeah, they're super expensive. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, can't justify yeah, that. But, if, but even if you're running, even if you're doing like say marketing for booster boards, right? Like I still like I'm. I've bought from them. I've been on their website. I haven't been retargeted from them. Um, probably because I've already purchased from them. But that's that's another story altogether. But even someone like that that has an amazing product that is super high in demand that you know you, they can't even keep up with demand because they've just got so much of it. Even that they wouldn't, or I would. I would hope that they wouldn't go and try and spend money targeting a cold audience. Because in terms of a product to sell, like they're like an apple, right? They're like apple of skateboards. And in terms of having a product to sell, they they tick all the boxes. But there still makes no sense for them, despite the fact they have such a great brand awareness and um, brand equity in the marketplace. Makes no sense for them to go and just throw an ad up on Facebook or an ad up on Instagram and be like, buy my shit, like. Do you want this? Do you want this two thousand dollars skateboard? Buy it. Like it doesn't make any sense. You just waste your money because you need to systematically build a relationship with someone and qualify them before you can sell to them. And if you try to do it any other way, it might work, but I, it's going to cost you a lot of money more often than not. If anything, it'll probably lose you money, and it's just. And then then you'll result in, uh, oh, well, digital marketing doesn't work or like, I tried Facebook, doesn't work. And I'm like, well, you might have tried Facebook, but you probably didn't do it correctly. Yeah, and I've kind of had um, this conversation with a lot of clients in the past and, and I've kind of introduced them to a uh, marketing funnel because of the fact that I, I think people use the wrong channel or the wrong approach on the right channel, potentially. Um they, they kind of have their objectives um, mixed up. So, I had this client once that was um, using like a, a competition on Facebook. Um, they were targeting at cold prospects and <laughs> the measurement, for, like the KPI was sales. So, they were using like three stages of the funnel. They were speaking to wow. cold prospects, people you should be yep. like talking to in the awareness phase. They were using a competition, which is really like an engagement kind of uh, interaction style, um, which is kind of like step two or three of the funnel. And they were measuring it based on sales and conversions, which is the end of the funnel. It's like, guys, like this, this is so incongruent. The goals are separate from the approach, which is separate from the audience. So- it sounds very, <laughs> like a very schizophrenic approach to marketing. It just... <laughs> and this was a big brand, like yeah. a big Australian brand. I was like, wow, this is like so crazy. So I was like, all right, cool. Let's just kind of like simplify this. What do we actually want to get out of this campaign? What's the objective that we want to achieve? And then you can kind of work backwards from that. So like you're saying, set some smart goals. Uh, and then if it turns out that you need to 
speak to people at multiple stages of the funnel, then you need to approach those in different ways. So you need to make people aware of your product and then engage them in a conversation, build their trust, that kind of thing. And then later on, um, try to convert them to a sale. And then if they still haven't bought, consider retargeting them, that kind of thing. So yeah, I guess the way I think about it, like a funnel is actually literally a funnel. Um, and the top is like, this is like in terms of audience size. So the top is where the most people are, and this is where you build awareness and then engagement and, uh, and purchase. And, and there's multiple different versions of marketing funnels throughout the literature. Um, some of them have, um, post purchase and things like that in it as well. Once you've already converted people. Um, I think actually there's some where there's like a two inverted funnels where, you um you try to build like brand advocacy and stuff after a purchase, but we're getting too technical. I think that's kind of how I'd um, describe a funnel. Now you're working on a, or maybe have um, finished working on this uh, online course. Um, what is it called? Funnels 101? Funnels, funnels 101. Yeah. Okay. So what is it? Uh, so basically it's uh, an automated, uh, the automated blueprint for the digital automated blueprint for automatic selling or autopilot selling. So it takes the whole everything from basically it takes, take anyone that's never uh, done any time kind of digital marketing before, let alone done a funnel. And it will teach you all of the theory, all of the principles and all the frameworks behind building a funnel, the psychology behind it, why it works, what not to do, why doing a buy my shit approach to marketing doesn't work. Um, and then it increment or each module uh, incrementally builds on the theory and all the previous um, stuff that each person's learned in the learned in the previous modules and builds you up. And by the end of the course, you would have designed um, a fully automated digital marketing funnel, uh, which you can turn on, which you can scale, and which will allow you to sell whatever products um, it is that you want to sell online, or whether it's it might not even be products. You might want to generate leads. Uh, you might be a real estate agent. You might want to generate, um, you know hot prospects um, to become clients of yours or you might uh, run an e-commerce business and you uh, want to sell, scale that and sell products online. Whatever it is your goals are, um, that's what the course is going to teach you. And it basically, it's been, I've reverse engineered the course from I think about eight or so plus years of my IP and um, it's basically been built on all of my all, like super successful campaigns and it's exactly the same framework that I've used to generate wicked, wicked results um, for all of my clients across all my campaigns and those results are all case studies on my website if anyone wants to check them out. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's uh, I'm really I'm really pumped to launch it. It's been uh, the biggest project that I've ever worked on in my life. I started the idea for it. The idea started in October last year. Uh, it's a 14-module course, and I just finished completing module 11 yesterday. So, I've got three modules to go. Mm-hmm. The end is in sight. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, why did you create this course? Because presumably, um, there's similar courses online. Uh, that other people have done. So, yeah, like why did you create it and, and what's different about your approach? 100%. So, I mean, I don't think there's uh, overly anything different. I don't really know too much about what my competitors are doing in the market space. Um, I know that the way that I do all of my stuff works and I really wanted a way that I could scale well, scale the unscalable. So, I really wanted a way in which I could help as many people as I could, or as many entre- entrepreneurs and marketers and people involved in startups as I could um, in a one-to-many fashion as opposed to a one-on-one fashion. So, I mean, I can, I'm can i only one dude. I can only work with so many people on a one-on-one basis, but I've got like really great ideas and, you know, I've got all these this awesome information to share. And I think I'm okay at teaching 
And I wanted to basically create a vessel that would allow me to do that, provide a lot more people value, and also do it at a lot more economical price point than someone employing a digital agency. Because the biggest thing, if you're starting, an, if you think of becoming an entrepreneur and starting your own business, or you're involved with your own business, and we touched on this, you know, uh, earlier, is that you don't have the time, or if you if you do, if you don't have the time, you may not have the the resources and money either. So you know, every, no matter what you're doing, you need to sell stuff, right? And that I think that's applicable for every business. And if you're, you know, in the first six months to the first two years of your business's life cycle and you need, you know that you need digital marketing or you know that you need some form of lead gen or some form of uh, systematic form of selling your products or selling whatever it is you might be selling, uh, going ahead and getting a digital agency, it's a very stressful experience, especially if you've never been involved with it before, but it's also a very costly experience. And if you're trying to, you know, if you're cash cash flow strats and you don't have much liquidity, especially in those foundation years, then you're going to be doing it yourself. You do you wear a lot of hats, especially when you're starting out. And this course, I've kind of built it for those people that are starting out. Um, it gets super advanced, but it starts from you know the lowest common denominator. You don't need to know anything for starting and then you'll be full on ready to roar by the end of the 14th module. And I've designed it to help people in that process and make it a lot more economical at the same time. Okay. Let's talk about a couple of um, channels. I think one of one specialty of yours is social media. Um, from what I've observed, and you're a very active uh, online personally, promoting paulramondo.com and uh, a lot of the content you produce. Uh, and obviously, as you mentioned before, that kind of leverages into the business. Do you have a favorite social platform at the moment? Just curious. Um, yeah, I, I, I love Snapchat. I, I, I also love Facebook. I, I mean, I feel like Facebook's becoming uh, more and more like the less cool kid in school. But uh, Facebook, in my mind, it's like the it, Facebook, in my mind, is it's the best marketing platform ever developed, ever. Period. Like it is by far the it's 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 amazing. And if you're not leveraging it, then uh, if you're not leveraging it in your business, you seriously need to consider trying because it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Um, but I also really love Snapchat. And I love Snapchat because the personification of your brand, the ability, the, the the power that Snapchat gives you to personify your brand is unparalleled. And I, I just, I'm, I absolutely love it. Uh, to be completely honest, I've been, I've gone super dark on all social recently, and that's been a very conscious decision. And it kind of ties into what, again, what we were talking about earlier in terms of focusing my time and everything like that. So because I'm only three modules left to go to finish this course, I've just decided to go completely dark and do no self-promotion whatsoever. Uh, except for, the last for random month. podcasts. Except for random podcasts. <laughs> and um, But yeah, I've, d- I've done that because I just, I, it takes time to do and I love doing it. But because I never do anything half-assed, if I consistently start promoting my brand and I, I feel really, I'm super blessed or super grateful and really appreciative that I've gotten my brand to this point and that people list, like, listen to what I have to say. It's awesome. But if I start doing heaps of self-promo, I get, you know, 10 emails and then I'll get 10 Facebook messages and I'll get like another seven Snapchat messages with people asking for more help. And I will go and help every single person, right? But that takes time. And when you're so time poor and if I can't give my audience that level of service, then I don't want to say anything. And that's totally cool with me because when I finish my course, then that's going to create a lot more time and I can turn back into self-promo mode. So Facebook and Snapchat, it's funny that you and I both kind of identified those as the two important platforms. <laughs> um, 
So I, I think that Facebook, um, from a from a business perspective, uh, I agree it's it's the best uh, marketing platform ever invented because you can. It's basically the default social network, and in in the markets that we live, um, Australia, or or that we live and operate, you know, kind of the uh, the Western world, America, Europe, that kind of thing. Um, brand penetration or, or user base of Facebook is effectively a hundred percent, right? Um, so. Like you can speak to or uh, target literally any person uh, within your target market. You just need to know how to use the advertising platform. It's no longer free, which it hasn't been for a number of years. Um, And a lot of people were really upset about that when that first happened. But it is definitely still the cheapest way of acquiring customers. The only one that's maybe in competition with it is uh, Google AdWords, um, but that kind of serves a different purpose. I think that's when people have a particular need that they've identified. Whereas Facebook, you can really take that funnel approach, like we we're talking about before, and go, "All right, well, people don't know about us. Let's mm-hmm. generate some awareness." Or you use both together, and you use Google AdWords to drive uh, to solve a problem at the top of your funnel, mm-hmm. and you're basically talking to qualified people. Then you retarget those qualified people through Facebook, which I'm sure you, sure you know. But uh, yeah, fun fact for everyone listening at home, that's an awesome way to uh, you know drive more sales and increase your lead gen because you're specifically mapping your digital marketing to the psychology of your prospects to solving their problem. Because I feel like any business is predicated on building or any business should be built around solving a problem. And if, if your business and your product is solving a problem, that's awesome. And then all your marketing needs to do is effectively communicate how well you solve that problem and then you win. Mm-hmm. So what are what are businesses doing wrong on Facebook? Because <laughs> if they were doing it right, businesses like yourself and uh, and many others wouldn't need to exist. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of businesses. I really enjoy seeing um, businesses that uh, that understand and crush it online. It's it's awesome. Like I get really really happy. I'm like, yes, they they get it. They know what they're yeah. doing. It's wicked. I feel like oh, there's a lot of things, um, but that's fine because. Like a lot of people just don't know what they're doing. And that's totally cool because you never need to start someone you need to learn. But I feel like just, we, we touched on it earlier, it's like just don't go and try and sell shit cold to an audience because you're going to waste your money. You, you'd get a better return on your investment uh, going out in the street and paying someone that looks like they're in your target audience just based on their stereotypical appearance. You'd be, you get a better return on your investment going out, whipping out a $20 note, be like, hey, bro, uh, here's $20. Uh I just want to talk to you for five minutes and tell you about something. I'm going to pay you for your time, but I want to tell you about something. I guarantee you that if you're decent at selling and you know how to have a, have a conversation and if your product doesn't suck, that you will get a better return on investment by literally doing that. I'm not even joking. No hyperbole. You will get a better ROI doing that than what you would going and spending that $20 on Facebook and getting, I don't know, like an impression or, you know, a reach of say 3,000 people from that 20 bucks or 2,000 people. Yeah. You'll get a better ROI if you go and do that one-on-one $20 I'm going to pay you to listen to me sell something to you than going on Facebook and doing that. I think that is the biggest, biggest mistake that people make online. And then, and then people sit there and they're like, I don't get it. Facebook doesn't work. And I'm like, no, like, no, Facebook works. Like it's one of the most successful, it's a multi-billion dollar company. It's one of the biggest companies in the world. And it started in 2004. They're doing shit right. It's, 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 it's the jockey, right? It's the jockey on the horse. Like if you don't know how to ride it, like you're not going to be able to go very fast or be very successful at all. So how do you fix that? Um, you get, you get educated or you find, or you delegate it to someone that knows how to do it and that you can trust to do it as well. That's really important. You need to be able to trust the person you're employing to do your services or you do it yourself or you get educated to the point where you understand it and understand that you don't know everything 
but you understand the point where you can delegate it effectively and you can be constructively adding to the efforts that someone else who is doing it for you. And I think that's the best um, place to be. Some of the best relationships and success that I have with my clients are the clients that understand that they are not skilled, they understand their weaknesses, but they also stay very up to date and they also are in the loop. They don't micromanage, mm. they just they converse and they contribute. Mm-hmm. And they create it allows you to do so much more because when the when you understand or if the client understands or if you understand as a business owner what's possible then you, whatever, because no one should know your business more than you know your own business, right? And if you can understand what's going on in your business, but you also have a general understanding of what's going on in the marketplace and what's going on on platforms, and then you have someone that you can delegate to and have a conversation with, that just makes everyone's life easier and it would actually result in way more sales for you just because you took the time to get the understanding. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Snapchat. I, I think Snapchat is great for um, celebrities, personal brands, influencers, that kind of thing. It is a bit still, it's a bit janky for, um, for you know, big brands. Think of like Coles or McDonald's, one that's been using it um, a lot recently. It's it's still a bit like confusing and difficult to create content yeah. and um, there's no like discovery feature. Like you literally have to go and search for a brand. There's no like yeah. cross-pollination or anything yeah. like that. It's 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 really weird. So I'm I'm interested to hear your perspective on why you think um, bit of a bit of a probing question and maybe playing devil's advocate here. But why do you think Snapchat is important for brands? It goes back to what I was saying earlier about the unparalleled ability that you have through Snapchat to tell real stories and personify your brand. And for a lot of people, for someone like me, that's fucking sick because it allows me to break down whatever like. What you see is what you get, and it allows me to just break down everything that I do, tell a wicked story in real time, in a live manner. It's it's very tangible in terms of, like, this is what's happening right now. Like, you just uploaded a new story. This happened 10 seconds ago. Like, this is happening right now. That's awesome. And that transparency to me is just, it's like, it's what I thrive off. That's amazing. To bigger businesses and bigger corporate brands that are, you know, just, just, they, they suffocate in the amount of bureaucratic red tape that they have within their organization. Something like Snapchat and live video is just the worst thing that you can ever imagine because like uh, a, lot of, a lot of these companies, they have you know brand managers or um, people that are pretty much their whole job is to uh, be an extension of that brand and be like, this is on brand, this is off brand. And that means that the amount of approval that you have to go through in order to get something, your message out or to get a really cool thing out, it's it's silly. There's just mm. so many hurdles or barriers to entry to getting that message out. So, you know, a, an approval for a new for a new ad that was timely, like, you know, 10 minutes ago, doesn't go out until Friday, up, let's say, what is it, today's Thursday, doesn't go out to say Wednesday afternoon next week. Like, you missed your chance. Like, that's just that, that bureaucracy and that, that approval process stifles your ability to connect with your audience. So I understand for brands like Coles and for other, pla- or other bigger brands like that that are trying to play in this space, I feel like you just need to remove, you need to just remove all of that vetting process. You need to remove all of those filters, no pun intended. You just need to remove like <laughs> all, of, all of the shit that's stopping you from getting the message out and get it out there. And I understand why that's scary, but, and- Well, it's yeah, risky. I like, Cause I think brand, brand managers, they're, they're, they're trying to protect the brand and be risk well, averse. And oh, I like I've, I've had brand managers in the past that go, oh, this isn't, this doesn't look like, like the insert brand name blue here. Yep. It needs to be or red or whatever. Like it needs to be like the, it's not the right, like makeup of colors or this, this looks just like stupid, like little design elements. You're like, 
fuck, how the hell are we going to actually get anything out if you're well, picking this stuff? Absolutely. And I feel like um, I just, you, know, you just need to be less romantic with that shit, right? For, like, because the goal, like whatever you're doing, whether goals are different for everyone, but the goal might be let's get a lot, lot of sales or it might be let's make a fuck ton of money or it might be I want to help as many people as possible, whatever, like whatever your goals are, sick. That's the goal. And if you're like reverse engineering that goal, then, and you want to get and achieve it as much as possible. And I feel like it's a bit ironic because if you've got on one hand, you're like, we want to get a million dollars worth of sales. We want to do that. And we want to do it as fast as possible because we need to hit our Q3, um, our Q3 quarter goals. And, um, you know, everyone needs to just pull their head in and make it happen. Okay, sweet. Why then, why the fuck are you putting all these like, checkboxes in in the way of achieving <laughs> that goal and you're you're literally just kind of like in the face i feel like uh, red tape like that spits in the face of the platforms and what they're designed to do mm. because they're designed to be real in real time human and if you're trying to achieve those goals and you understand that that's one of the best ways to do it because that's where your audience is because it's 2016 then remove remove the barriers to entry and just do it mm. otherwise you'll go half ass it and then you're like well we tried snapchat it didn't work and it's like well you tried Snapchat, you didn't make it work because you had too many barriers to entry. And respect, like I feel all of the barriers and I understand all of it. And it's not any brand manager's fault. It's it's just it's just the way it is, and that's cool. But I think that's what's a great, what's awesome about uh, all the new startups and all the new businesses that are starting now, because like there are very little barriers to entry in terms of telling a story, because there's there's no kind of. Uh, really brand equity or brand equity brand guidelines that you really need to adhere to, which allows you to take more risks, be less risk averse. And um, that allows you and sets you up for massive potential wins and upsides. Just for regards to Snapchat, I think uh, a few examples that I'm, I would call out um, Taco Bell does really good in the US. Yeah, they, absolutely. absolutely. They create um, unique bespoke content. It's a little bit corny uh, sometimes, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Um, I think publications do really well, like Mashable does great. Um, does the New Yorker does stuff. really yep. good. I don't know if you follow the New Yorker. Um, no, I do. I'll check it out. And it's great for like small business or like entrepreneurs and that kind of thing. I follow a lot of those kind of guys as well. The one kind of big brand in Australia that's really testing it out, I mentioned before, is McDonald's. And I think they're kind of just like dipping a toe in the water at the moment. Um, it's kind of aligned with their McDonald's Monopoly campaign that's running right yep, now. that's cool. And Love that campaign. It's so good. Oh, it's been great for it's year so after good. year. <laughs> and they're taking it digital this year, right? They've got the, the app. I didn't and, know that. That's awesome. Yeah, so they've got an app. Basically, once you get the sticker, you put it into the app and it tells you whether you've got like an instant win or whatever. Oh, that's um, cool. And then there's obviously um, lead gen through that because you have to register with your email. Yeah. And yeah, they've obviously uh, thought this one through this year. Oh, they, 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 <laughs> what's going on? They're onto it. So they're with... um. Pissed. So, with uh, Snapchat, really, they're just dipping their toe in the water this year. Uh, they're just reposting people's photos that, that get sent to them um, around McDonald's Monopoly and they're using McDonald's filters and that kind of thing. But, you know, still, in a way, that's that's really great because people feel super like, oh, fuck, McDonald's reposted my picture. Like, I'm a super celebrity and I don't know how many people follow them, but... You know, um, whenever you get reposted by a brand um, or even liked or commented by a brand, it's it's just kind of this really, really awesome feeling. So, um, great way to engage and, and like you said, build that relationship. Yeah, build a community. It's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Paul, I would love to continue talking and I feel like we've probably got like another three to four hours uh, that we could <laughs> continue going with. But um we do have to bring it to an end. Um, so, uh, just a couple of final questions to wrap it up. First one is... Uh, What's exciting you right now? 
um, finishing my course. And <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's be honest. Uh, in terms of um, a greater platform, I'm really excited to see the changes um, that Facebook are making to their back end. Um, if you do Facebook ads and uh, or you do any Instagram ads or any advertising on Facebook, you will know that it's very buggy. Um, it is still very buggy, but the ability what I really like is I'm super excited about the creative potential of all of the new ad units that are being released, all the new ad products. And uh, one of my favorite things to do is work out really cool different ways to uh, leverage the technology to get a greater return on investment. So I'm really excited about that at the moment for uh, from a very nerdy pay traffic perspective. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, who do you think I should interview next on, mate? Um, you should interview, ooh, I think two people. Um, one of my best mates, Jos Meyer. He is the CEO of a company called Primed. Uh, Primed are pretty much, I'm going to butcher this, so sorry, Jos, if you're listening. <laughs> the best way for me to uh, articulate this would be, well, you spoke about flow earlier, right? Being in a sense of flow, like it takes you, what, 24 point something minutes, I think you said, to get into a state of flow and you just get shit done. You see the matrix and everything's like in slow motion, you yeah. get it done. Wicked internal sense of fulfillment. Uh, Primed is a um, nootropics company that uh, my friend Yoss has founded that basically uh, well, gives you like a, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to butcher this, talk to Yoss <laughs> about it, but it's kind of like, it's like the way I see it is like you take the limitless drug from the show Limitless or the movie Limitless and you're just pretty much like focused and, uh, and that's essentially kind of like how nootropics work and that's, I butchered that explanation, I'm sorry. So, so he's a drug dealer. Pretty much a drug dealer, which cool. is pretty cool. So um, definitely <laughs> podcast. Um, but yeah, Yoss Meyer, um, company's primed. I'll, uh, I'll hook you guys up if you want to have a chat. Definitely cool. be an awesome chat. Um, and probably uh, probably Jared Seng as well. Um, Jared Seng's a really famous, um, or quite famous or really successful photographer. Um, he's the he's that guy that did, I'm not sure if you saw the video, it's uh, called Fake Aoki. Um and he basically went around, he looks like Steve Aoki, he went around a festival dressed as Steve Aoki and it went viral and it's really funny. <laughs> but he, um, he's a really successful well-traveled photographer and he's got an amazing, um, amazing Snapchat game and uh, he's uh, really good at personal branding and um, is amazing what he does, does. So definitely someone else that I'd recommend having a chat with. Cool. All right, Paul, is there anything you want to uh, plug uh, for yourself? Where can people find you online? That kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. So um, I think I'll give this to, these links to you so you can throw in the show notes. But um, if you guys want to learn more about me, just paulramondo.com, P-A-U-L-R-A-M-O-N-D-O. I had to think about that, dot com. Uh, <laughs> That's a worry and- that you... <laughs> I was like, how do I spell my name? Um, <laughs> and uh, if you guys want to get started um, with building your own digital marketing funnel, I've got a free course, which is called Facebook Funnels 101. And that's just uh, at paulramondo.com forward slash... Uh, actually, I'll just do it at poorremonter.com forward slash mate. So you can uh, hop on there and uh, get access to that. Basically, teach you how to build your very own um, funnel using Facebook. Uh, it's a free video course. I think it'd be really handy if you've never done anything like that before. Cool. Awesome. Thanks for your time today. Maurice, thank you so much, Adam. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Mate. What an amazing episode. And thanks, Paul, for coming on the show and for giving us a rev up. Um, I think it was just what we needed and there was some super insightful stuff in there. If you'd like to read the show notes for today's episode um, with all the links to the articles that Paul and I spoke about, head to matepodcast.com slash 16. Now, you can find Mate on all of the social medias. We're on Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, all that kind of stuff. Just follow at matepodcast. Um, And one final request, Um, I know iTunes reviews are really important, but I want to try something different this week. If you could share the show with somebody that you know, 
just tell a friend or family member about Mate Podcast, someone who you think will enjoy it. That would go a super long way to help the show grow, and I will love you forever. Thank you to Josh Armour from Armour Pod Productions for his editing help. The Mate logo is by Courtney Carmen, and music is by Nine Inch Nails, used under a Creative Commons license. Mate Podcast continues to bring you the best and brightest guests from around the world, but as always, it is made with love in Melbourne, Australia. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey, and this was a Jaffrey product. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. I've been up for like an hour, so I wanted to get up and make sure that I was awake because if I've sometimes I've done podcasts where I've just been like, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, let's do it at 5.15 in the morning. Sweet, so let's get out, out of the way. Awesome, except I haven't really like woken up from sleep and then I stumble over my own words and then I just say like a lot and it's just, I sound like an idiot. <laughs> well, I've been for a run already this morning. Oh, oh done.